Welcome to Chaotic Harmony. My name is John. This is Crystal. We talk about the joys and the challenges of teaching music in the elementary school classroom. We share struggles, we brainstorm solutions, and we would love to have you join us. Welcome to another episode of Chaotic Harmony. This is another episode on the road, but thankfully we're making this video work because every single time we've had video issues. But we are on the road. We're yes. in Anaheim. Yes. Yes, we're an hour away from home. Hour and a half. Hour and a half. Traffic two hours. Okay. Disneyland is that way. If you're watching right over there, it's to our left. <laughs> I didn't know that Disneyland was this close. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Nam yeah. happens like across the street from Disneyland, so you can see the back of the Matterhorn. Which yeah. is why we are in Anaheim, by the way. We're here mm-hmm. for visiting Nam, but also we're in on this couch. That extra voice you might have heard is not. It's Dr. It's Sarah. Dr. Sarah. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Sarah from F Flat Book. Hi. I'm sorry if I spoke before the reveal. No, no. totally fine. It's chaotic harmony. We go with that. It's true. Yeah, we we go with it. it. I love it. Yeah. Yes. So. Thank you for joining us. For those of our listeners who don't know about F-flat books, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. Um, So I am Dr. Sarah, (laughs) ghoulish, (laughs) and I have been a music educator for years. Um, I started teaching in 2007 outside of Philadelphia, and I started doing some publishing after getting my graduate degree and felt like there were some major inequities in the publishing system. And so in 2019, I started F-Flat Books as a digital publisher. And the goal was to really make an equitable publishing space in music education. It grew um, to a point where I had to decide over this past year if I was going to do it full time or give it up. And I left my teaching job mm. of, Ooh. I was at the same school for 16 years. Oh, wow. wow. And wow. I made the leap to do a flat full time ish. I'm still okay. adjuncting. So okay. I have okay. some other things going on, but mostly that's what I do now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so do you really teaching for 16 years? Were you teaching before? So you were at one set for 16 years. How long have you, have you been teaching before you started at flat books? Um, so 16 minus four for 12 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you taught at the same school the whole time, the whole time. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that yeah. must've been a huge, how was that? Leaving, it was really hard. Uh Yeah, It wasn't, um, you know, I've known a lot of people who have left the profession for different reasons. Mm -hmm. For me, I wasn't leaving the profession unhappy and I wasn't leaving it disgruntled. Uh, I loved my school. Mm -hmm. I loved my colleagues, truly had the best music team in the world. And I love my students. And as you know, I was an ensemble director amongst other things, but teaching at a high school, I would have kids from ninth grade to 12th grade. And so you develop these relationships Mm -hmm. and especially during the pandemic, when so many of my kids were dealing with mental health issues, I felt closer to that group of kids than I had ever felt to a group of kids in the past. And Mm -hmm. so when I told them I was leaving it, uh, I had been sitting with it for a long time, Mm -hmm. but actually speaking the words out loud just dealing with um the questions from colleagues and you know it 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 wasn't a clean break it was a little messy and it was hard um yeah it was hard i can only imagine yeah yeah and i think it's okay because i think sometimes you know stories that i would see on social media of people taking a leap or doing a business full-timer i I never saw that messy part of it it Mm -hmm. just seemed all positive and so I, right. I like to be able to say there are so many things that have been positive about it, but leaving was definitely hard and it's getting easier, 
but I still miss my kids. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad you share that because you're right. Oftentimes, whenever people post on something, it's forward facing. Like it's all you know. Yeah. We leave with happiness, happy tears, but there's a lot that goes into it. So it's mm-hmm. good. That, I'm glad you share that. Um, yeah, I I don't think leaving the classroom is ever an easy decision sure. for any educator who's really in it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but you're affecting so many teachers now, and your impact is so much greater that I'm glad that you made the decision you did. I appreciate you saying that. I think one thing that was helpful for me and maybe for anyone who is considering something similar is um, establishing some space to teach. So Mm -hmm. I'm adjuncting at a college, which is really helpful. And then I volunteer at my kids' school. I direct their musical. So I'm with a bunch of young (laughs) elementary (laughs) students. I get that chaotic music classroom joy once a week. So is there harmony in there at all whatsoever? <laughs> There's chaotic harmony. Yes. And by chaotic harmony, I mean no properly executed harmony. <laughs> As it should be. Yes. Yes. They're exploring other tonalities. That's yeah. Right, you know? <laughs> That's right. 100%. That's awesome. You mentioned, um, you're talking about when you're exploring um, wanting to create F-flat books, that there's a lot of inequities. What yeah. kind of inequities did you see that you wanted to address by creating F-flat books? Um, a lot. So let me think about some of the main ones. Uh, most people don't know this, but when you publish your resources, and now the publishing industry is vast. Mm-hmm. You know, you have commercial publishing, you have, uh, like when you think of the novels that you see on the shelves in Barnes & Noble, mm-hmm. fiction, nonfiction, the educational publishing space is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have, you know, academic publishing houses that are geared towards higher education. Then you have more like practitioner-based publishing spaces. But all of these spaces have very low royalties. So if I sign on to do a book deal with one of the large educational publishers, I'm probably getting between five and 10% royalties. I'm probably not getting much of a advance Mm. and I'm losing the rights to my work. And so I had had a couple of publishing deals before starting FLAP books, one with a research-based publisher and my royalty was 2%. Um, And I just remember reading this contract and being like, this must be a mistake. I get 2%. Is it zero missing? (laughs) Yeah, what's happening? And I remember reaching out to others in the field and they were like, no, that's that's typical for a first-time author. Oh my goodness. To get 2%. And they even had rules in place where if I don't hit a certain threshold in a year, I won't even see those royalties at all. So that was one of the inequities is just, why are we taking so much from authors including the rights to their work. Um, The second, just not a lot of flexibility in terms of resources. So this is pre-COVID. And I'm thinking like, why aren't we having more digital resources? So the one book I published, I said, can we have a digital version that teachers can download that has links? Because a lot of what I'm sharing involves online tools. And they said, oh, we just don't have capacity for that. So flexibility, fair pay, and then... The third one I want to mention is I saw a lot of emphasis on uh, music from other cultures, but not from the culture bearers themselves. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, can we build a platform where we're really honoring the creators and we're not just content isn't the most important thing. It's actually the people behind the content. Hmm. Um, So first off, that's I'm still blown away by that number is so minuscule, especially since books aren't that expensive to begin with so the amount of money relatively speaking so the amount of money that you get is just mm-hmm. even smaller um and coming from 
teachers too, who are already underpaid. You Mm -hmm. know, when you get somebody who's going to create their own content and that's the cream of the crop, those are the teacher leaders. And then you're not fairly compensating them for that. Yeah. And on top of, I didn't understand. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on top of that, the fact that like, unlike people who can pump out a lot of books because they're not teaching, they don't have a full time job. Right. We as teachers, like, we pour ourselves into one one book and like we get that little money. If right, you don't yeah. mind, so if you don't mind me asking, what what's the um, if comparing to the five percent? What what's the royalty that? Yeah, so we started off by giving seventy percent to every author, mm. which is much larger. Yes, uh, it is. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're in the spot now where you know, we need to be generous, but also sustainable. And so we have um, a range. Our standard is 50%. And then we have what are called premium authors. It's a similar model to sites like TPT, Mm -hmm. where if you basically pay in as a member, you get a higher royalty rate. And what that helps us do is cover our costs. But then it also, we've noticed, like puts the onus on our authors. So if they're investing, they're more likely to promote their work because they want to sell copies of their books. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and I noticed too that you don't just have books on your website. You have merchandise, yeah. you have posters, there's yeah. clothing. Yeah. So tell tell us a little bit about how it's evolved. Yes. So um being digital was twofold. It it was so we could have flexible resources, but it was also because this was a side job mm-hmm. and I couldn't even ma- imagine having physical goods. So anything you see on our site that's printed is by a third party so Mm -hmm. we're not actually warehousing any anything in my home we're Mm -hmm. just sending it out through another company um but we are expanding this year into some physical distribution so we're trying to get our books into more places and really it's just about getting our authors more visibility um and then we also offer professional development Okay. Yeah. I, I I told you this when I first met you. Like I did not realize. <laughs> my like Mark had a, a, a pointed out to me that because I was like um, look, curious to see initially when Alice released her book, um, We Are Gold. Initially, it was just digital. Oh, I wish there was a physical copy. Yeah. And then Mark says, "Well, that's how they called F flat books." <laughs> it's like, wait, why? Oh, oh, and harmonically, that's okay. Yeah. So, but, you, you, but you're in a breach. You're branching out. It seems like into a, a regular F and seven F flat. I know. <laughs> oh, we we need a re branding f sharp <laughs> <laughs> books yeah um we're starting a new imprint for our children's books that is called Enharmonic books so okay. it's going to be okay. slightly different branding mm-hmm. um but i think at our core we're always going to have digital resources because we love that flexibility and we like for example you know we've had some books where we've already had a second edition and if people have purchased the original one, they get immediate access to that with updated links and updated information. And I love that digital provides that flexibility. Mm. But especially for our children's books, there's something about, as you all know, like sitting in front of a classroom and physically right. reading a yeah. book to kids that's so valuable. And so we want to be able to do that too. Right. Or even taking it home to your own kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know my boys, when they were little, mm-hmm. that was... That was really important to be able to sit with them and read a book with them. Yes. And yeah. there's something for a child to actually is touch the right. book. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm someone who like, often And not pinch and try to zoom the pictures. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. I, I, do, I really do like the flexibility because that way I can just showcase the book onto my big screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I always have like PowerPoints of the books and mm-hmm. what that I purchased. But um, yeah, there is a, there's something to be said about yeah. the tangibility and the kids. Oh, it's something that's... 
right real for lack of a better term I, i'm not I'm, not, something I'm, I'm a physical book person which okay. is so ironic because <laughs> I, I don't read from a kindle oh. i have way too many books in my library even coming here uh-huh. for this conference i'm packing multiple fiction books in my bag i always make space for books so it's very ironic that I run a digital publisher Mm -hmm. and I understand (laughs) the desire whenever people email us and say like, is there a physical version of this? I get it. So I'm excited to, to start dipping our toes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I love Mm. it. Um, I really love the people centered approach. Mm -hmm. It seems like your mission statement and your story when I was, when I was just looking a little bit more into F flat books after we had talked at AOSA conference this year, it's just all about putting people first. Mm -hmm. So I, I know that you're on the same wavelength with us and where you're coming from, from the classroom, from a, from that, that kind of place of equity with your students. Mm -hmm. But how are you, how are you seeing that in the music teaching world? Because it's been a big conversation. So what, what is your personal mission? You know, it could just be you, Sarah Goulish, or Mm -hmm. it could be, you know, with your company, F flat books to promote those voices and bring more equity into the educator world. Yeah. It's such a good question and I think it's work that will never be finished, which Mm -hmm. for some people feels scary. For me, it feels um, like it's a moving target that is encouraging Mm -hmm. because there's always more stories and always more voices to share. And I think as an organization, it can be easy to check box. whatever the whatever society is saying with the loudest voice where it's oh we need to care about asian lives now then a bunch of companies are scrambling to make sure we have representation or Uh we need to care about black lives now now we're scrambling to have representation and the truth is there are so many different cultures and stories that are in need of sharing and so for me um a lot of what my mission is, uh, my personal mission statement is connecting people with community and creativity. Those two aspects of human life, I think are most important to me. Like who is in our community and how are we being creative as people? And so, you know, if you go to our author page and you see photos of all of our authors, you see diverse representation, but you also Mm -hmm. see gaps. And I think that that's a good thing for us Mm -hmm. to say like, okay, well, we're not representing everyone and Mm -hmm. who's missing, whose stories do we don't hear? One of the beautiful things about our community is I can do outreach and try to cultivate songs and stories, but we also have people in our midst. For example, Kate Bright, who we were just talking about, she reached out to us and said, this woman from Ecuador has this incredible story. You should feature it. And so now we've developed this network where people are helping us fill in the gaps. Awesome. That is cool. And I think that's important because I I won't see everything we need. Yeah. And so it's an openness also to having people tell me, hey, you're really misrepresenting this or you're missing out on this very important voice. Um, and then the last thing I'll say is it's important for me to not just have one person as the representative of a culture or an experience. Um, And so I'm constantly thinking about like, okay, well, where are the areas where we only have maybe one voice or one story and how can we expand that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, I was thinking too, uh, how often we, um, we try to 
<laughs> pull those token sort of things like okay we filled in that slot right like yeah okay, so it's you know it's black history month so right. we're gonna talk about aretha franklin and yes, that off of yes. the list or whatever um so how if somebody wanted to be more um more kind of culturally aware and responsive in their classroom and they're kind of looking to you for resources and professional development mm -hmm. where could they start to sort of examine their own lives, find things from you to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, this year we started a heritage guide series and we just put out our Black History Month heritage guide. And what I'm excited about with these is um, they're really built by our community members. So I'll reach out to our community members and say, hey, what do you think we should share for Black History Month? And so it's a collection of people outside of me because again, <laughs> my experience is limited to my experiences. Um, and what I really try to encourage people to do is to celebrate creators and directly support creators who come from that culture, whether it's bringing someone into your classroom and paying them as an artist visit or getting a resource and making sure that the person creating the resource represents that culture. Cause I do think we've, we've grown this, um, expectation where we can on a Sunday night panic Google on TPT a lesson no. plan Stop. You do that? calling me out I mean we all do it but not really think about like well who created this and what sure. is their experience and so I mm -hmm. think celebrating different cultures in the classroom is a great opportunity to celebrate authors and creators and yeah. that's what I what I try to encourage people doing and just realizing you're not gonna cover everything about a culture or know everything about a culture sure but that should not keep you from jumping in and doing something mm. you know yeah you shouldn't let that yeah. fear keep you from exploring anything that fear is real it is. i think especially oh, yeah. in this day and age where we share so much on social mm -hmm. media the the fear of getting cut down for trying and oh, yes. not doing it perfectly or on top of that there's yeah. not even our peers, but we teach so many kids, mm -hmm. their parents also, they're, they're going to see what their kids are interacting with. Yes. If it is or isn't, I, I, I get the fear. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry if you answered this question or not, but like, uh, even though you focused a lot on books and also, um, professional development, is there other ways that you found to try to center other voices? Yeah. Uh, through not, as opposed to through story or I think um, one of the things that I've realized now being a part of the system mm -hmm. that I was never a part of as a teacher, which is more, you know, who are the stakeholders in music education mm -hmm. and what are the voices that we're elevating? What I've noticed is we have these conferences and we have these state organizations and what tends to happen is it's kind of the same people who we're seeing over and over mm -hmm. again. And so mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. one of my goals is being uh, being a person who provides opportunities and connects again that connecting to community so for example we're doing a project right now with nam and it involves lesson plan writing and i am able to tap into my community members and say who wants to do this great now this is something you can put on your cv and now you can take it somewhere else mm -hmm. and i think what's exciting about flat books and what's a little bit countercultural is because our authors keep the rights to their content they can take it elsewhere mm. which i think is threatening for a lot of companies but what we've noticed is it actually elevates our authors into new spaces and we get a kickback from that either way and so for me it's okay 
how can we be promoted almost like an agent of people. But yeah. anytime I hear of opportunities, now I have this network of folks who are highly qualified that I can say, Hey, you should be the one to speak at this event, or you should be the one to write this lesson plan. You're great at it. So I'm always thinking about like opportunities I can give my authors. I, I think you're the wrong person to ask this question. I'm so <laughs> blown away that authors don't have their ownership of their mm -hmm. yeah like, if, right. if anything i would think that your model is the way to help bolster it helps bolster your community in, in the end it bolsters your company because then the authors want to invest more into right yeah that. yeah I, again i'm it's not even a question it's more of a what yeah <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> yeah cool huh. for sure yeah and and we got a criticism early on um which was well what if someone replicates your model and steals all your authors and puts you out of business. And we said, if the big companies started offering 50% royalties, we've won. Yeah. 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 Who okay. cares if FLAC goes out of business? That means that this is the standard and we've changed the system. And so I think that it's a good thing to keep in mind is like, we're, we're looking for systemic change and um, we're part of that, but we're not the whole of it. Mm -hmm. I'm coming along with your little pirate ship. <laughs> yeah, here we come to I take love over. <laughs> yeah, I was at a, a Crystal and I were at a session yesterday, and it was asking people like, "What's what, what's your why for why you put on a concert?" And like, mm -hmm. one of the more common oh responses was profit. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it was a word mm -hmm. cloud. It was a word cloud. It was like, and it was in an education session really yeah but it was also tagged with business yeah. okay so i was like wait what wait wait, wait what <laughs> yeah and, uh, so we thought it was going to be like how to plan a concert yeah, yeah. right mm -hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> and so and it's all i'll get back to that point but another session <laughs> i went to was um with um on the first day and we're talking about um some blind spots you might have mm -hmm. and one of my blind spots i'm realizing is that I don't recognize that the rest of the other communities don't view things the way I do. So yeah. back to the initial points, like, oh, I guess people do really focus on money making. And it's like, mm, that's like, yeah. but if the mission statement is to bolster community, if another company takes over, takes that and makes it bigger than the mission one. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's interesting. I think as educators, it's probably good if we're not business minded, you know, <laughs> if we're not just trying to think about profit. And I think one of my hardest lessons this past year has been, okay, we're people driven. Yeah. That's great. However, we won't help anyone unless we can find a way to be profitable. And so it's always a balance of how do we stay in our core value? How do we live out our mission? But how do we also expand our reach so that mm -hmm. this is something we can keep growing? Yeah. Money should never be a why. It's no. a result. Yeah. Yeah. It's a consequence. It's a means. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it just is like, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. You're driving why you do something that's, yeah, I know we were both sitting there like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I think both of us looked at the screen at the same time. And, and then looked at each like, other. Profit? <laughs> what session are we a part of? I know. Right. The second like, question was what like, what school do you teach in? <laughs> yeah. And the second question yeah. was like, how are you going to create that program? And none of like both Chris and I, really, we were like texting each other. It's like, how <laughs> sitting come next more, to each other like, and texting each other. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. <laughs> how come one of the responses isn't learn the music? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Rehearse. <laughs> take music out of the equation. <laughs> you, know, you know the phrase putting the cart in front of the horse. I think it's the cart in front of the mountain, in front of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You know what? But I think that that comes, that's so relevant to this conversation because it's like the business world and the education yeah. worlds don't talk to each other. They don't. They don't yeah. understand each other. And on the, on the flip side, I mean, here is kind of the devil's advocate piece. It's why have, in my mind, when I started at FUBLIX, why have authors and music ed professors specifically been so okay with being undervalued mm for their work for years and years and years. And in some sense, you know, we do need to advocate more as professionals about what our worth is. And so Mm -hmm. I think having a healthy relationship with profit is important. But when you realize in other industries, people are being adequately compensated for their Mm -hmm. skills and their expertise and in education, we're just okay with underpaying teachers. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Say it louder for the people (laughs) in the back. Yes. That's... That's a bigger topic for me. Uh-huh. Maybe we'll invite you for another one. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a huge right. question. Educators are conditioned to get yeah. what you get and don't throw a fit, yes. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm all about changing it. I think that's the only way that we're going to move forward. We mm-hmm. want people with lots of energy and passion who aren't going to burn out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have to have a reason to stay. And you need to be able to adequately provide for your family yes. while you're on that path. And yeah. something I've mentioned on many episodes is like this notion of like we just focus on the four walls as educator as educators, and mm-hmm. so if we feel like oh we're not being paid enough, like okay, I'm biting the bullet, but I'm doing it for the kids. But from someone who has like you who has a more bird's eye view of what's going on, it's mm-hmm. like no, this is a bigger problem than just one teacher not being valued enough. This is a mm-hmm. huge problem systemically, and we just need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so. I tip my hat to you or my beanie, I guess. Your beanie. <laughs> tip of the beanie. Tip of the no. beanie. <laughs> okay. Glad you didn't bring in that teeny. Okay. <laughs> teeny weenie beanie. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes back to that. Um, back, backpedaling a bit. Curious, because yeah, I, I know you've been, um, your goal is to bring, uplift other voices. And like when I was like, Looking through your author list, there's a, there's mm-hmm. a vibe. First off, I, I think that's the only way for me to describe it. But like, <laughs> oh, I like that. There's a vibe. There is a vibe, and it's a good one. Um, yeah. But how did you first get your when you were creating your company at first? How did you get your folks uh, get the folks that, or cater to the folks that you wanted to be part of your um, company to join? This is a really good question because um, building. If there's one thing I've learned from watching other people, this is not from myself. It is building diverse and inclusive communities does not happen accidentally. Mm-hmm. What happens accidentally is we surround ourselves with a lot of people who are like us. We move to neighborhoods with people who look like us. We go to churches with people who look like us. We send our kids to schools who look like us. I'm not immune from that at all. And I'm really lucky because I have a dear friend uh, Dr. Kimberly McLaughlin, she and I run a podca- podcast together. She launched a company a year before I did, and we were both teaching at the same school. And she had an event for her company, and it was the most diverse group of people I had been in. And it was socioeconomically, racially, age. I mean, all ages present, all rallying around this concept that she had. And I just said, how teach me like just Mm -hmm. teach me how you are reaching so many different people and getting so many people on board with the same thing and so before i even launched a flat she and i had many conversations about what does outreach look like when you are doing outreach specifically to say hey you have a different lived experience than i do and i need your buy-in and i want you to be part of this and so it was a conscious um effort on my part to say our metric is the experiences that we're sharing. And so I remember our very first blog series, you know, a month after we opened our doors, 
I hunted, um, you know, just experiences like a diverse diversity in experiences. I remember finding a woman and who taught overseas and saying like, can you share about your experience and you're in higher education and, um, you know, you come from a culture that I don't know much about. And so doing a lot of outreach in that way and just being really honest. Um, but I think what happens then is if people feel like they see themselves represented in the space, they feel more likely to mm. reach out. And so, okay. Um, in the beginning, it was a lot of intentional work. And now um, I think because our community is what it is, there's, we just get, you know, we're open for submissions right now and we're getting such a uh, diversity of submissions. And I think it's because we're actively cultivating that. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I think it's good for anyone that's trying to try. I, th I think the biggest thing that, whenever people are trying new ideas or new things, it's always uneasy to ask questions. And that's great that the intentionality of the questions you ask and the outreach to the other people, it's needed. If you mm -hmm. were gonna create something good, it's needed, yeah. And I should say, it's not every person that I've ever reached out to has said, great, this is a good fit. I mean, I've had so much rejection. Mm. I've also had people who have lived in their um, sense of mission and meaning and who have told me, hey, love what you're doing. I will only publish with um, a black female owned company. And I've had to say like, yes, thank you. That mm -hmm. That's great. We're not for everyone, you know? And so I think th there's been a lot of um, me putting myself out there and the beauty of it now is that it's not, you know, I'm not the gatekeeper. We have a visionary board and we have other people in our community who are cultivating projects and deciding which ones we move forward with. Um, but in the beginning, it was a lot of me just like knocking on doors. Hey, do you want to publish something with us? Hey, I think you have something valuable to share. Can you share it? And sometimes it worked out and sometimes it was a no. Okay. Yeah. What does professional development look like? You mentioned that at the beginning. Yeah, so mm -hmm. in 2020, we hosted a virtual and online, let's figure out how to teach music this fall. Oh my goodness, yes. Um, symposium. Mm -hmm. And it went really well. And again, I think what went well about it is just the um, all of the humans that were part of that. And so over the past few years, we've just collected so many PD sessions that are really valuable. And we thought, like, how can we use these and continue to create resources for teachers, not just once a year, but that can be used throughout the year. And so we launched our learn platform last May and it's basically a membership where, you know, you pay a fee and then you get access to all of our workshops for the school year. You get PD credit for it. And then you also get regular monthly meetings um, to just come on zoom with me and chat about teaching. And it's been a really nice way to kind of cultivate our community of people who are excited about our work and want, you know, a, a little bit more connection with what we do. That's great. So mm -hmm. it's accessible from anywhere. Yeah. So it's just all, all digital. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So have you done in-person workshops? Yes. Yes. We had the past two years, we hosted our conference in person. Oh in Philadelphia okay. and that was another learning experience <laughs> for sure <laughs> yeah yeah and so uh we we've been you know we just keep experimenting to see mm -hmm. what works best but I think uh being able to reach people all around the world is super important to us and so we're never going to lose that virtual piece mm. it'll never be not a flat 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, I was just talking to my brother about this, who, who runs a company with me. And when after COVID, a lot of people went back to their roots, which yeah. was in person. Mm-hmm. Us going back to our roots is Zoom. <laughs> Zoom was always our roots. Fair. So. Okay. Um, so I was like looking up some stuff and you were talking to, uh, oof, 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 oof. Um, it was uh, Dr. Selfridge. Um, oh, Steve. Yeah, yeah, Steve. Yeah. And you were talking, this is early into the pandemic. Uh-huh. I think it's actually only five days into it, um, or at least in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were talking about the necessity of teachers, like rethinking paradigms. And I think, I feel like that's been your ethos for a lot of F1, yeah. like rethinking paradigms. And now that we're kind of now in this, because that was early COVID, like we're now, what, late COVID, late, mm-hmm. late COVID. I'm not sure exactly COVID will always be somewhere in that title, but what are like the paradigms that you feel like we need to challenge now? That's such a good question. I need to revisit that interview because <laughs> I'm so curious to see what I would have said mm-hmm. a few days into the pandemic. Um, well, I can I can say a few things if you want me to. But, <laughs> sure. Yeah, something you mentioned was like the, the why. And uh-huh. it, it's, the answer, it's, it's not profit, by the way. Um, <laughs> but the, the why of what we teach, because you were saying to him that we're focused a lot on like the what's. Mm. The, make sure we have good embouchure placement, focusing on things that we've done over the years. And we've forgotten, and now that we've entered this digital space, we can't, we couldn't do those things. So we have mm-hmm. to re-question what's our why? Why did, why did we teach what we taught? And you're focusing a lot on just community-based elements. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I I, th- I guess that would still be my answer, which is good. Uh, you know, <laughs> still track. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> good. Um, being at Nam for these past couple of days, and you know, the session I gave yesterday was really talking about connecting students with uh, industry standards or industry aligned skills and experiences, mm-hmm. and really lifelong music making. And I think once things went quote unquote back to normal, as you're saying. Mm-hmm it was very easy for folks to just go back to the practices they were entrenched in and say, oh, mm. that was fun that we tried Soundtrap for a couple of months because we had to, but now let's go back to our old way of doing things. Right. And the why piece is really important because you know, if our goal, if the why is musical brilliance at a band competition, senior year of high school, that really doesn't have a, a ton of connective tissue beyond K to 12 schooling. And so for me, everything that I get most excited about is how are we reaching students in lifelong music making? Mm-hmm. And if that's the real goal, it's going to involve a lot of change in how we approach music in our schools and how we approach um, those community partnerships that we're making. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was hanging out with the El Sistema people yesterday and it was really fun to to hear their take on that same thing and uh they were you know holding an air violin and saying um we tell the the kids this is your ticket this is your ticket (laughs) anywhere anywhere you want to go and i just ooh, i got goosebumps yeah yeah music lifelong music making that is it is the ticket to being Mm -hmm. a happy healthy connected human who can go anywhere they want to go yeah yeah, and music for leisure. You yeah. know, yes. music for, for your own enjoyment. Pleasure. You know, I have a good friend who's a music teacher in Philly and she started a they started a community choir in our neighborhood. It's like a bar choir. They're popping up uh, nice. all over the country. Nice. Mm-hmm. They put out an all call on Facebook and our first meeting we had 150 people come wow. from the neighborhood and the people that I sat with 
came by them, two women came by themselves just because they saw on Facebook and they said, I don't think I'm a good singer, but I just really love singing with other people. Mm. And I thought this is, and you know, they didn't hand out sheet music. They handed out a lyric sheet and taught by rote. And we performed in three-part harmony and it was awesome. And I was just like, this is what music education should be. It's a room full of people experiencing immense joy and connection. And why are so many of our music programs devoid of joy? Right. Thank you. What are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. If you're not having fun as an elementary music teacher, what What are are you doing? doing? No, seriously. Any music teacher. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned that, and it's, it's fast. I think I mentioned this in the podcast before. I have a friend of mine that loves music. Mm-hmm. Music was like a big core of who he was, um, still is. But the thing was, he cannot play unless there's music in front of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's even though he has a joy of playing music, he cannot. Like, there needs to be something that's written in front of him because that's how he's been conditioned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's a, it's, it's, for me. It's like man, what a what a gate that we focused so much on throughout mm-hmm. our entire from K to beyond. Mm-hmm. And now that he's outside of the system and he wants to do music, but mm-hmm. he can't. So he's doing a lot of unlearning. He's trying to learn the, he, play, he played the trombone before. Now he's the, learning the, um, the tin whistle. So it's, he's, he's enjoying, but it's, yeah. it's been a lot well, of and How many people do you yeah. know who don't value their own skill? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I don't really play guitar, you know, but yeah. they but, do, they do for their own joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I still have that feeling about sure. myself. Like, yes, I, it's the reason why I kind of stay away from the piano because even though there's a huge floor and huge ceiling, like there's that notion of, Oh, but the good people play piano. You know, those right. were, right. Yeah. You yeah. have to play a certain way. I was like, mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. I had a parent call me out on that early on. It would have been 16 years ago now. Um, who uh, she said, um, you know, you're always saying you don't play guitar and you don't play mm. piano, but then I see you up there playing guitar and piano. <laughs> and they're like, to our ears, that yeah. means you play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, you need to stop saying that. <laughs> I remember when I was, so the main course that I taught at the school I taught at for 16 years was a creative arts course that I co-taught with an art teacher, a visual art teacher. Mm -hmm. And every kid in the school had to take it to graduate. So I taught every kid who went through my high school for 16 years, which is such a privilege. And I got to unlock, you know, the first project I did with them was they had to pick an instrument and form a cover band and play music. Yes. And so every kid from the concert master of the orchestra to the kid who said, I'm never touching a music instrument in my life. They all had to do it. It was the most, you know, like, democratizing situation (laughs) and sometimes the ensemble kids were the ones who had the hardest time with it yeah and I remember a kid um who was also in the band that I was working with at the time and he sat there with his saxophone and he looked at me and you know I just told him what notes to play I said just play this this and this and then you'll be good with the chords and he's like I didn't know I was allowed to use this instrument if there wasn't music whoa and he really felt like I can only use this instrument with music in front of me. Hmm. And that's the moment when I thought like, oh, everything I'm doing has to change. And with my Mm -hmm. orchestra students, I also taught them keyboarding skills. I taught them basic ukulele and basic guitar. Because in my mind, like the chance of you taking a viola into your dorm room and just pouring your feelings into it are smaller than maybe you bringing a ukulele with you. Mm -hmm. And so, so true. Finding, like you said, you know, if I play trombone, 
the chances of me just, you know, jamming on the trombone mm-hmm. at home might not be as great as accompanying myself on right. my favorite songs on the guitar. So right. I think, you know, having a balance between harmonizing instruments and solo yes. instruments is also important. But I'm if you use multiphonics, yeah. if you sing into your trombone, I feel like that's beyond my, now I can do that. I can say that with full confidence. I don't play trombone and sing into it. I'm add a comma yet there. Yes. Yes, yes. and not something I'm interested in developing. <laughs> you know, after we got Come our grant, <laughs> yes, after we got our grant from Save the Music, uh-huh. um, when we had orchestra instruments mm-hmm. come into the school, we had already had a few ORF instruments for a while, and so I was teaching, you know, ORF shul work, like the process with those instruments. But I went straight back to teaching, like out of a book, for the strings because that's yes. what I knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until a good friend of mine who is a professional electric violinist. She like plays weddings and stuff around San Diego. She came um, and hung out and she taught the kids what she does every single day for a warm up. She put on, I don't even remember what song it was now, but some pop song that they could play along to with their open strings. She's like, if you can bow, you can bow or you can just pluck, just make something up. And I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. what? why didn't I make this connection? Mm. It's so, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. we're taught, we teach how we were taught. Yep. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it's not like I grew up with, creative musicianship being given to me I was a classical pianist and it was very strict and I was a very good sight reader Mm. and I was you know I felt like I was naked if there wasn't music in front of me yes and it wasn't until I had other people unlock that for me and I felt empowered to be a musician outside of the music I saw in front of me that it transformed me but it took me a long time to do that in the classroom Mm -hmm. because I taught the way that I had been taught and those types of informal learning experiences. I never connected with my classroom stuff. I love the direction this conversation took. (laughs) This is awesome. We, Oh yes, yeah. I know. I we have more to talk we about, do, so yeah. I think we might have to have you back. I love <laughs> sometime it sometime in the future. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for this conversation. Is there anything else that you wanted to do to kind of like tie up the F flat books part? Just uh, to anyone who's listening, um, I think something that we probably don't say enough is that you know we have power over very few things in a huge system, but. You know, anyone who has supported us or supported our authors, we see it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. kind of like I remember being a barista Mm -hmm. and you get to know the regulars and you see them come in and you're like, oh, I know what you order. That's how I feel as a small business owner. When someone Mm -hmm. purchases a book from our site, um, I'm texting my authors. I'm like, do you know that your book is in uh, your book just went to Portugal? Isn't that cool? And and it is so incredibly affirming when people support our work. So if you're considering supporting small businesses, know that it does make a tangible difference and that's how, that's how we can keep going. Awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Sarah, how can they follow you? So we are on the socials. Um, (laughs) Not really Twitter or X. (laughs) Tried it, couldn't do it. Um, But we're on Facebook, Instagram at F flat books. Jump on threads or no? Uh, there might be one thread. Yeah, one thread. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a thread. Just come on and see what might happen. Just keep on, yeah, keep on that like. Exactly. And uh, people can also email me, Sarah at flat-books.com. I love answering questions, connecting people, curating resources. So any any questions they have, they can connect with me. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah.
We'll be back with the Spicato after the break. I want to take a quick break and thank my husband, Brian, who's been working behind the scenes producing these episodes every week on all of the platforms and on time. But you need to know that he is first a financial planner for Mission Trails Financial. Mission Trails Financial is a partner that seeks to guide clients in the journey to financial success. They believe that people need a financial advisor that aims to provide strategies for success. Mission Trails Financial helps people navigate investments, tax planning, and insurance. Imagine working with an advisor who isn't tied to specific brands. Mission Trails Financial has a fiduciary responsibility to act in the best interests of their clients by providing independent, objective advice. Their mission is to help clients accomplish their financial goals. As Joe Vitale once said, a goal should scare you a little and excite you a lot. Do yourself a favor and set up a time to chat with Mission Trails Financial. Visit www.missiontrailsfinancial.com or call 619-419-0238 to schedule a call. You'll be glad you did. We believe that leaning on professionals is how we get ahead. Check out the program notes for more information. Okay, we're back with the spiccato. So we were just explaining to Dr. Ghoulish over here that for spiccato, we take turns bringing random things um, and talking about how we're going to use them in music class. Ooh. We're at NAMM, and so there's lots of swag. Yeah. Lots. And I, I might have snuck past this booth that was giving out drumstick pens um, many times. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take another one of those. <laughs> so these are pens that are also drumstick shaped. Wow. They're super cute. I had to get a bunch of them. Besides the obvious, how would you use a drumstick pen in music? What's class? the obvious? The drumsticks, John. John. <laughs> I mean, there's also the pen part. Yeah, there's two obvious. There's two, obvious there's, two there's two ends to this here. <laughs> Can I just say this reminds me of um? So my husband's a drummer. Okay. And when my first child, my son was born, we I had ordered tiny drumsticks. So that we took photos of him like hours after his birth of him holding tiny drumsticks. Oh, oh wow. So sweet. It's so ridiculous. Like, That's so cute though. I love like that. How big were they? Like, like this size. Like this, oh, this, this is what it's reminding Aww. me of. His little gripped Aww. hands are on it. Um, I'm so here for it. Can I say something that uses them as drumsticks, but in an unconventional way? Please do. So um, this is kind of an idea from a book called Free to Be Musical by Lee Higgins, which I highly recommend. But it's a a riff off of that. Um, In my orchestra class, we would get rhythm sticks or or even pens, which this is kind of perfect because it's both. And um, some days we would flip the chairs over, have them sit on the floor and then play different rhythms on their chairs. So whatever rhythm was tricky, we would say like, we're not even getting our instruments out today. We're flipping the chairs over. We're playing. We're treating them as like a little drum set with the legs and the base of the chair and everything else. And we're going to take what, loved that. whatever's in our bag that looks like a stick and we'll play with it. So just, these would be great for Just it. to clarify, you're not flipping it upside down, right? Yes, we're flipping it upside down. They're sitting on the floor. Chair is flipped upside down. So the legs are sticking up. Oh, really? Okay. I thought you meant turning them around. No, like oh, flipping it okay. upside down. That's a great idea. Nasty gum and all. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. We want to say not in my classroom, but let's be real. Ugh, let's be yeah, real. Yeah. It, it's, it's there. Yep. Um, let's see. Well, the pen then could be used as a scraper for the gun. Not educational, but it's good for the good for the community of the classroom. (laughs) There we go. Um, I feel like we could use the sticks um, as notation. Ooh, not maybe the um, up being a ta, side being toddy. Ooh, you variate it. You can make a little rhythm game out of it. Exactly, and then grab the sticks and then use. It will always go back to them being used as drumsticks in the end. So maybe. 
drumming. I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. I love that. You could have a group of four kids and they all have the different rhythm Mm -hmm. and their back is facing the class and then they turn around and you get like two seconds and then you have to read the rhythm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that. And then they rearrange themselves. Mm -hmm. It's like a Kodai mm -hmm. game. Yeah. I wouldn't know, but I'm excited to hear that. that. (laughs) No, that's really, I like that. That's good. How about you? Oh, um, so I was thinking uh, that we would use them um, and have a pile of them. Might have gone by that booth a few times. <laughs> <laughs> How many do you have? I, I need to go buy it today. Get them. In the 30s. <laughs> I was thinking it would be fun to have the kids connect to each other. Like okay. how many different ways can you connect using your drumstick mm. safely Ooh. to a partner? Okay. Um, kind of like a riff on your movement game where you're moving around the room and then you have to imitate a picture. Right, 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 right. But Ooh. add you have to connect to a partner using a prop. I feel like the, that would that that would have been an amazing one, especially during early COVID. Yeah, when like, you don't want to touch. Yeah. Well, oh, but yeah. still, my sixth graders but still yeah, are yeah. so weird about touching. Oh yes. Yeah. You know what yeah. it also reminds me of? My daughters who are five and six, five and six, they like to conduct me. Mm. Yes. So they they just wave their arms it's a baton. and then I sing whatever they do. So yeah, you could totally use this as a baton. I love it. That's awesome. Or you can make, sh- or I know the kids are gonna do. They're gonna throw it into the ceiling, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> get it to stick in the popcorn ceiling. <laughs> oh, get out! Something's still done. One of my pet peeves is when the kids jump and they tag the top of the doorway. I hate it. Who does that? He does who, it. Who does that? Every time we're together. Who, who does that? It, who you does do it every doorway. Just, that not you, every doorway, but, <laughs> just but to get on my once. nerves. Why? What? It, because he's my little brother. That's me. why. It's just like the, the what's same the reason that, though. <laughs> the need. What's the why? What's the why here? The, the same um, reason that I that I, I sing the teeny weeny beanie song I around think, him. I think. <laughs> If we want to psychoanalyze it, maybe it's because I'm vertically challenged. And so <laughs> you need to prove that you can reach great my, heights. My <laughs> That's it. That's it. He could be I, like I ten feet John in front of me with a here. bunch of other friends. Crystal, 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 crystal. Hey, hey, hey. Bam. <laughs> I even record myself sometimes and send it to her. I have never thought worst. of that, especially not as a pet peeve. And now I'm going to pay attention to whether it's happening. Well, they leave their gross, dirty, oily fingerprints above my door frame. Oh, I hate it. I'd rather have fingerprints there than like. Uh, surface level places I think (laughs) it all bothers me okay (laughs) Uh, okay that was fun we do have a round of the week we do round of the week yes so this is a this is a folk song and there are different versions of this some of it are uh, some of them go by grandma moses um grandma moses right (laughs) um i'm gonna sing the version that i learned from my friends so this this i actually i didn't learn in choir i learned it on the playground um when i was in middle school because like that uh make sure we start in a so Mm -hmm. can i can i record this please yeah yeah okay we'll also share our audio and video. Well, I'm doing a song a day challenge where oh, I have to do a song every day okay. of the month of January. So this can be, this can be our song. There you go. I like it. Okay, I was getting my starting pitch. Mm. 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 I'll sing it, then we'll echo. Okay. Oh, come on. So I recently had LASIK surgery. And it's supposed to improve your eyesight. I'm I'm questioning the legitimacy. Oh. <laughs> maybe it takes time. No, it's just it's maybe been a while. It's failed for too long. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, right. I'll, I'll sing it. We'll learn it by rote. Grandma, grandma, sick in bed, went to the doctor and the doctor said, grandma, grandma, you're not sick. All you need is a walking stick and an up. Sorry. And an up, shake, shake. I'm going to start over. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Here it goes. Grandma, grandma, sick in bed, went to the doctor and the doctor said, Grandma, grandma, you're not sick. All you need is a walking stick. And an up, shake, 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 shake it, shake. And a down, shake, 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 shake it, shake. And an up, shake, 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 shake it, shake. And a down, shake, 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 shake it, shake. To the front, to the front, to the side, side, side. To the back, to the back, to the side, side, side. To the front, to the front, to the side, side, side. To the back, to the back, to the side, side, side. Grandma, you're sick in bed. No, no, the doctor said. Grandma, you're sick in bed. No, no, the doctor said. Oh. So let's back it up. Yeah. Grandma, grandma, sick in bed. Grandma, grandma, sick in bed. Went to the doctor and the doctor said. Went to the doctor and the doctor said, Grandma, Grandma, you're not sick. Grandma, Grandma, you're not sick. All you need is a walking stick. All you need is a walking stick. And an up, shake, 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 shake it, shake. And an up, shake, 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 shake it, shake. And a down, shake, 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 shake it, shake. And a down, shake, 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 shake it, shake. And fast forward. Um. So to the front, to the front, to the side, side, side. To the front, to the front, to the side, side, side. To the back, to the back, to the side, side, side. To the back, to the back, to the side, side, side. Grandma, you're sick in bed. Grandma, you're sick in bed. No, no, the doctor said. No, no, the doctor said. All right, there you go. And it looks like my lyrics got a little messed up, so. Hopefully you can remember. Yeah. Let's try to sing it together, and then where the asterisks are, that's where the parts are. Okay. All right, All let's right. give it a shot, everybody. When do, mm. We're going to do it together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then parts. So I'll be one. Okay. Two. Okay. Three. Let's try it. Did you text this to me? Or no? I did. Okay. Let me see. Just I emailed it to you. Emailed. It's in your... Okay. Don't, Gmail. Oh, I don't share that on Chaos Harmony. How dare you? Well, you're <laughs> editing, so <laughs> take it I'm out, sweetheart. You're going to put a bleep in. That's right. <laughs> I'm just making extra work for you. Yeah. I think we should have uh, cat noises instead of beeps. <laughs> hey, um, again, you're editing. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> this one's indeed. yours, babe. All right. Um, let's just do it. It's on flat. It's, or, no. Forget no, it. Let's okay. just do it. Let's All do right. it. All together now. All together. One, two, ready. Grandma, grandma, sick in bed. Went to the doctor and the doctor said, Grandma, grandma, you're not sick. All you need is a walking stick. 
and an up shake 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 it shake and a down shake 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 it shake and an up shake 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 it shake and a down shake 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 it shake to the front to the front to the side 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 to the back to the back to the side 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 to the front to the front to the side 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 to the back to the back to the side 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 grandma you're sick in bed no no the doctor said grandma you're sick in bed no no the doctor said grandma grandma sick in bed went to the doctor and the doctor said grandma grandma you're not sick all you need is a walking stick and a grandma, shake, grandma, shake, 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 and a down to the doctor and the shake, shake, and an up shake, 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 and a down shake, 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 to the front, to the front, to the side, side, to the back, to the back, to the side, 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 to the front, to the front, to the side, 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 to the back. Grandma, 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 you're sick in bed. No, no, grandma, grandma, you're sick in bed. No, no, you need is a walking stick. Nice. I didn't remember what the last part was, so I just made up Good job, friends. Yes. Thank you. Sarah, yeah, thank I you so much nervous. for joining us. Yes. I, so awesome. awesome. you spot. I didn't know I'd be singing. <laughs> <laughs> Next Slip time we have that you, in casually. We're going to have to do movement also. Yes, like, it's true. I love it. Awesome. It's true. Um, so you can find Sarah once again, just in case you missed it. Uh, Sarah at F flat dash books. You got it. Dot com. Yes. Awesome. All right. Crystal, Yay. where can they find you? You can find me at crystalpridmore.com and all the things attached to that. Awesome. And you can find me at Mr. Seligman, M-R-S-E-L-I-G-M-A-N on all the socials. Also, email me. Don't do that, actually. <laughs> I beat that up. But you can find me on the socials. Please. You can find us at uh, the socials at CH Classroom. Um, and if you want to email us, please do chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail.com. Today, email us Swedish fish. That's your job. That's your job. Or post on socials, Swedish Fish and tag also, us. Something yes. like that. Thanks so much. <gasps> Bye. Bye. The Chaotic Harmony Podcast is a joint project between Crystal Pridmore and Jonathan Seligman. You can find us online at chaoticharmonyclassroom.com. You can email us at chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail and let us know what you think. Give us feedback about what you would like to hear in future episodes. We're on all the socials. Find us on facebook.com slash chaoticharmonyclassroom. You can find us on Twitter at chclassroom, Instagram at chaoticharmonyclassroom, and you can even find our episodes on YouTube. Chaotic Harmony is the name of our channel. Special thanks to Brian Pridmore for his help with production and equipment. 
www.pridmoria.com. Sorry, we didn't warn you. Yeah. <laughs> like, am, I, am I singing? Oh, yes. I think I'm singing. You are, yes. It's frustrating. Each time you say something, you say, hmm, there's a lot to unpack here. I know. What direction do I go? Yeah. Hello. Well, that, that actually, Punched. that that'll work. How's this? That's that much way. better. This is great. And okay. then I can see both of you. There you go. Uh, and I feel also, very relaxed. We need like a fireplace in the background. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like playing that. I'll put the funk back on. Corey Wong in the background. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Here we go. Let's do it.